Swinging it. <laughs> Is that what we're going to call the episode? <laughs> Winging it. Let's be real. Every single one of our episodes are winged. They are spontaneous. Sponta- Isn't it more fun? Uh, I, I think it's better if you let the conversation emerge from the environment that you create with the information oh. that is with the information that is afforded to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, going going all ed straight off the bat. <laughs> He's warmed up now. He's warmed up. <laughs> I, I, I needed a mental warm up to talk about ed. <laughs> well, what about what no, about you? No. Are you are you warmed up and ready to talk about illicit? Oh, oh yes. So I, I, I guess a bit of, bit of background for those that are unfamiliar with the, my research process is you find an article, you read said articles sections, so abstract, normally you skip most of it, go to the conclusion, then you go back up to the lit review and then read the introduction. Um, and it takes a fair amount of time. If you just want to do like a surface read of an article, maybe five, 10 minutes. But it's very hard to get a, a general gist of an article just looking at it. Um, most of the time, you, you'd need to read through at least the abstract. And what Elicit does is it answers your question rather than looking for a research topic. And then it gives you the answers that you want, basically straight away by looking at the abstract through AI. So if you have a question, instead of going into Google Scholar, typing in a question and it blurting out thousands of papers, some of them completely like irrelevant, some of them useless, some of them really, really bad, um, and you have to sift through it all, Elicit does that for you. Uh, and it doesn't use Google Scholar, it uses Semantic Scholar, but yeah, semantics. Um, <laughs> ah, sorry. Yeah. I know, that, that, was, that was a spontaneous joke right there. Uh, <laughs> But it, I mean, it's got, uh, what is it? 175 million papers. So, I mean, there's a fair amount on there. And we've had a, I've had a Google, uh, a Google, I've had a search of some really, yeah, of some really niche topics like metastable attenuation. And there are a fair amount of papers that it's found. And that's a fairly niche concept. So I think it's got enough papers to give you an idea of how to concept a topic and idea. But that's just the research questions. I'll let John um, express his thoughts now because John wasn't a researcher. Uh, now I've shown him an illicit. He's like, oh, 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 oh. And it's like he's excited about research. <laughs> yeah. And I think I've always been excited about research, but the barrier has been time. The amount of time it takes me to get somewhere where I want to go. There is a lot of upfront work. This is basically taking it all away because I type one thing in. <laughs> all the results. Yummy. Thank you. And it, and it actually, I think it gives a direction to go in based on what questions I'm asking. And for me, who has two small kids, not enough time in the day to spend reading tons of papers it's amazing. It unlocks a lot more opportunities to find research and explore thing, uh, explore topics. I wouldn't necessarily deeper isn't the right word, but more like focused and go down more rabbit holes and figure more things out. And and 
there's more potential and possibility and less time with Illicit. Research Rabbit was fine, and there is a it, it's a very different tool to Research Rabbit. But I really I just love how it's like ask Jeeves for research papers. Yeah. And I'm just like, yummy. And just like I'm I one of the, the new things that they've tasks, is it yeah. One of the new tasks that it has is like a clarifier concept, which is delicious in itself because then you can go up a layer and down a layer and it it just allows for it shortcuts so much thinking. <laughs> the way the way I see illicit is when when at university, if I had a question and it was from a paper and I'm like, I I I can't find a paper for this. I can't find research for this. I can't find any support or I don't really understand this. I'd go to my lecturer and have a tutorial and I would be like, okay, here's a question. And they go, oh, here's a couple of papers. Here's another question. Here's a couple of papers. And this is what's going on. This is the rough takeaways. And it's kind of like, Elicit is my tutorial for anything I want. <laughs> like As an undergrad, I went for loads of tutorials with my lecturers because I was like, you're an expert in this thing. You should know where the papers are. You should know what the research is. You should be able to guide me. Some lecturers didn't like doing that because they felt like they were like food, like just feeding us all the answers, which it's not true because if you give me 10 papers to read, I actually have to go read that thing. Yes, you can mm -hmm. give me a synopsis, but I still need to understand what it is so I can put it in my article. Um, yeah one of my gripes about university lecturers, some of them. Uh, but Elicit does it for me. Like, if I have a question, I just ask it. If I want to brainstorm something, I just click on brainstorm Yeah, that's task. insane. The brainstorming functionality of that. I'm just like, put this in. Oh, oh, shit. I never even thought to ask that question. Let me go ask that question. Oh, shit. Let me filter that question related to that question. And then... We're just going to get really hyper-specific. And I'm like, why, thank you. Like if, if you're, I, I have no idea how this would work in business, but in businesses, obviously you need to brainstorm things. If you want to brainstorm something and see if there's a, like research behind it, just do it and elicit. You, I mean, um, so I'm going to use Keep Productive as an example. He's got his bento method. The bento method isn't researched because it's his method. Like there's, there's no research in it, but, it's three things. It's being specific on a task. So if you were to brainstorm inside of Elicit, um, constraining tasks, three things or three questions or three actions, I'm sure it's going to come up with other questions that are related. And then mm. those related questions may lead you to research that can support the Bruno method. You're, you're, you're pointing at me aggressively. <laughs> That is what I think, that is where the power is going to come for business people who actually care and want to, like, for me, the hardest thing I found with research was I have a concept that is just my concept. There must be some basis somewhere, and I'm sure there is. But what is it and how do I find it? Now, unless I know the concepts or I have a friend like yourself who does this a lot, I am never going to be able to get the... 
I was doing ecological dynamics before I realized I was doing ecological dynamics. We're all doing it. We just don't realize it. And without having direct access to Danny and this podcast where we can actually have these discussions, which make me go, oh, this is cool. This is interesting. I would never have looked at, you know, sports psychology. Couldn't care less. (laughs) I'm not a sporty person. But just from the act of talking to Danny, it is like having you online all the time. A better version of me as well. Yeah, a better, <laughs> yeah. With no bias because it's just what is written. And I think that's really quite exciting. So I've typed in uh, is restricting tasks good? Just as a brainstorming question. Um, And I've gone through what's a couple of filtered searches. So what I've done is I've gone through and I've starred a couple of results for those unfamiliar with uh, this. I've starred a couple of results. I'm like, yeah, that's an interesting question. And I've cleared all the other ones and then searched again and then start a couple, cleared them all and then searched again. So is restricting tasks good is a question that I put in. This is for the bento method because that's the example I used. We've got how well does restricting a task increase concentration and focus? Well, now immediately I can look at the concentration and focus research. How, how do you get constant? Like, what is concentration? What is focus? The flow state springs to my mind, but obviously you then go into research question, concentration, focus, and then all of that research will be related to restricting tasks. Next one, how do task restrictions and rewards interact? No, I, ooh, I, I didn't think about rewards, but when you think about the bento method, are there rewards? I don't know. I don't know his method well enough. But if there are rewards, how do you then, how do the rewards interact with the restrictions, with task restrictions? I have no idea, but that's something that he may want to look into. How could you reward people for restricting tasks in a day? Don't know. Um, can we improve students' productivity by giving them more freedom? And I was like, more freedom with restricting tasks. Can you give freedom whilst restricting tasks? I don't know. And I didn't even think of that question with the Bruno method. Uh, Bruno method? Bento method? Um, (laughs) Bruno's on the the brain. Um, But I was like, that's that's a really interesting question. That's an interesting connection. I've got two more. Uh, Are there trade-offs to restricting a task? I was like, good question. Good point. Are there other ways to increase concentration and focus? Again, bringing up concentration and focus. They're, They're two things that have come up. So that's obviously a main research focus. So I'm going, okay, I've got loads of, I mean, there's tons and tons and tons of questions, but they're the main ones that have come up and I can go explore concentration and focus and then link that back to the Bento method, which, I mean, I I did that as you were talking. So just a couple of seconds. It's crazy. It's it's actually quite exciting. The, the, like I'm just so I went through the clarifying uh, concept so ecological dynamics and skill acquisition went through and there's a whole host of delicious things you know chaos theory goal-directed behavior uh, systems thinking uncertainty in systems systems dynamic complexity theory knowledge-based systems levels of emergent behavior complex adaptive systems and I'm just like yummy and then and then which is what grabbed my attention creative economy and I'm like wait what they, Hold up. They, they put, have they got creative economy with same level concept yes and i'm like no that can't be and then if you think about it if you well, it actually is. think about it for a minute it is and i'm like 
well, damn. <laughs> then you can start actually diving deeper into that because it's something, yeah, it's just, yeah. I'm just like, oh, you know, you've got emergent <laughs> behavior. And yeah, I made that link in my own notes with my creators page, my uh, content creator page and my ecological dynamics. Cause that's a link that I made in my head through exploring the two, but you've come to that link without the three months of hassle. <laughs> Just mm. by looking at Alyssa. Yeah. It's kind of annoying from my front, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. And all, it's all the... really interesting. Like that there is just like, oh shit. Yes. That's a lot of work right there. So I typed in restricting task for concentration and focus into just research papers. Um, mm-hmm. And there's papers dating back to 1994. Um, one of them with 2,600 relations uh, citations, a dual task interference in simple tasks, data and theory. And then the abstract is the psychological refractory period effect indicates a stubborn bottleneck encompassing the process of choosing actions. Right. So that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and what I'm going to do now for those that are listening, obviously, John can't really see what I'm doing, um, but I'm going to add a column and I'm going to add, because these are all uh, in there, I'm going to add takeaway suggestions. Um, so it's going to add different points from them and it's going to give me the takeaways of the paper. And then it's also, I'm also going to add in another one called outcome measured and it's going to give me the outcome of the paper and the outcome of that paper is performance. <laughs> So it's looking for performance. But then we've also got in the other papers that have turned up response time, spatial extent to the attended area. Interesting. Focusing of visual attention, task completion, visual attention and learning tasks are all the the outcomes of related papers. And all of that is what the Bento method is for. And Bento can now say that, okay, restricting tasks, because that's what this is about, helps with focusing attention, visual attention for learning tasks um, and for performance. Maybe they didn't think about putting performance on the on the marketing page, but it's it's got research suggesting that if you restrict tasks, you increase performance. So you're welcome, yeah. Francesco. We'll send this to you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not difficult. What it's got to do is just type it into Elicit and it comes up with all the results. But yeah, and, and that's I mean, that's just one like real world example because we're doing it like I'm doing it on my computer as I'm speaking. Um, but it's, it's so quick. Not, it's so easy. Yeah. It, it's so quick. You, the connect, like, like you just said, it took you three months to make that connection. I saw it here. And I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. It's like that is very like, boom, done instant. And I wasn't even thinking about that. It wasn't in my brain, but it does relate directly to my work in business. And you can, this unlocks so much potential in terms of people like myself in business who genuinely want to actually have that, the science backing, because it adds a lot of credibility credibility to what you're doing when you can say it's backed by science and you can fucking reference it. All of it. <laughs> All of it. And there is so much you can do with that just in five seconds. <laughs> it, 
I think what's what's interesting to me as well, because of the direction that they're heading, and we have only, I mean, I've only gone through, I mean, what you went through a task, I went through a task, and I went through asking a research question. There are loads of tasks, there are loads of buttons, there are filters, there are added columns, there are loads of things that you can do in the tool that both of us will be exploring over the next probably couple of weeks. Um, as I go into my research and trying to refine a workflow, I don't think there is a workflow because Elicit is like Obsidian. Like you search for the thing and you find the thing. The difference in Obsidian is you can then curate and alter what's set. Um, so I I see Elicit and Zotero and Obsidian for me as my research trio. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't need to go to Google Scholar for most of the things, but I don't. I, I'm in that beginner stage, like we said in the last episode, I'm in that beginner stage of, I I don't know what affordances and constraints this thing has, because I just don't know enough. And from because it's such a, a new-ish tool, the community is fairly small. So there aren't people that can say, oh, you should do this, you should do that. There are some example workflows but no one's really figured it out. It's, it's, it's a process that they're working through. Oh, and, and just to add, it's free. It's, it's completely free. You don't need to pay for anything. You just need to make an account like you do with every tool. Um, so yeah, it's just like, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. And I think in maybe a month, we do like a, a comeback round and, and see how it's changed, how it's evolved. Cause they're, they're, they're pushing updates as quick as Obsidian. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, um, it, it's exciting. It is. It it provides an opportunity to simplify things for everyone and reduces the barrier to entry. Like three months, you said it took you. Probably doesn't exactly that, but that was five seconds for me. Yep. That's nope. the, the that's the thing. Now, I've, I've just done something off the cuff again. Uh, I've typed in content creation into research. It's not a question. It's just content creation. That's all I typed in. Generative models of content creation, content creation method and apparatus, uh, content creation tools. That's 2020, 2012, and 2014. I didn't realize there was any research on this. <laughs> I typed it in because I was curious. Um, but yeah, there's research wow. dating back to 2004, 2005 about content creation system, content creation method, computer executive program for executive. That's a really long title. That's that's an academic title right there. What's mm-hmm. what is this? A, okay, um, so I'm having a look inside of the abstract and the takeaway and possible critiques. There isn't any critiques, but I can have a look at critiques if I wanted to. Um, but there are so many added I, I needed to click to see all the added things that you can have on here so i'm going to read through a couple metadata you've got source author journal and then the normal doi stuff um but population studied number of participants you can see number of number of studies if it's a meta-analysis population characteristics and loads of other stuff in there um intervention studied so you if you're looking for something and there are two different approaches so in in this podcast we talk about information processing and ecological dynamics they are two different interventions so you can separate your research by the intervention which you, you just push a button and it does it for you. you 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 don't need to figure it out which yeah dose duration again something else the research we've gone through and methodology i think is going to be very useful for anyone looking at it 
as a like a surface user because i i said to you a while back uh, i think it was about a month ago now meta-analysis and systematic reviews are amazing and you asked me how do i find them yeah and i was like i was like the easiest way to find it is either put meta-analysis or systematic review in your search and then the, the title of the thing and you make it one or two you can just filter for it and elicit it just type in meta-analysis and it will come up with just meta-analysis results rather than Google Scholar, which gives you other things that it tries to suggest because it's been cited. Doesn't mean it's good paper. Uh, <laughs> you just filter for the meta-analysis or systematic review. So you can get the highest quality papers, the most recent highest quality papers around a question within seconds. And you get the takeaway points straight away. It's just, it's so nice. It's so quick. It's you so don't easy. actually have to read it. No, you don't have to read the paper at all. Because Elizabeth's done it for you. What I need to check, which is something that I ju that just came to mind, is results. Um, I'm going to go back on my page because if you can ex I, you can, you can export it to a .bib file, which yeah, which means you could use them just as a, a as an export. In, so previously, I was clicking on them, putting them into Zotero so I could read them and actually like have them, um, which doesn't take long. It's just click, 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 done. Uh, um, but if you download it as a bib, you can then reference it and you'd have a reference for it. So you don't even need to go, oh, yeah, here's my illicit. You can just download the bib file. And if people want your sources, you just send them the bib file. <laughs> this is my illicit bib file for the search. So you don't even need to reference it in Obsidian. You just download .bib or CSV. I'm assuming the download of CSV will put it into an Excel spreadsheet of some sorts. I'm going to have a look. Yeah. Um, I've just done it very quickly. It's opening up Excel. Um, it's not the nicest looking thing, but uh, yeah, it's really not the nicest looking thing for some of the searches because I've got some Japanese symbols in there. Um, but yeah, it's just an Excel spreadsheet with all of the metadata properties and it's no it doesn't have all it's just the ones that you're showing so you can hide the ones that are in the search results and just have the takeaway study you can just have the the takeaway takeaway points wow Damn. That's, yeah that's that's really nice so yeah you can just export the csv if you wanted to uh let's not save that but yeah another really nice feature that makes life easy you can just share stuff and send stuff like hey here's the results and of course the styled searches that you do have are saved so if you want to go back to the styled searches you can do is just click on the start panel um yeah and it, it doesn't look cluttered either like it, we kind of like overlooked it a little bit but it's it's so simple it, it kind of reminds me of um zotero in its application like zotero when you look at it zotero um zoom when you look at zoom like it's really old-fashioned. It's really boring, but it does exactly what it needs to do. There's your Zoom call. There's your link. There's the buttons that you have. In Elicit, you open up Elicit. It's literally just a search bar. That's it. Ask a question. Elicit will find answers from 175 million papers. And then there's your search bar. That's it. Like There's no clutter. There's no mess. There's no advertising. It's just a white page and a search bar. So nice. I know this episode is basically us talking about illicit, but I think AI tools have a place as an assistant. Yes, they are not. 
the answer they are they are to be used alongside what you already like the human part yeah, yeah. because I think this is a conversation that's been had in some note-taking app spaces around AI tools and AI search and this, that, and the other. And I don't, I don't think AI doing any of it will help because the, the AI doing the work is making the connections for you, um, which means you're not mentally doing any work, which means you're not mentally creating the connections. So you're not learning. You're just experiencing information. Experiencing information you can do as an assistance, because it's sharing information to you, um, but you actually need to do the learning. You need to do the focus. You need to you need to put in the work if you're going to remember anything. Uh, like I said in my previous video, you need to encode information, i.e., put it into memory stores, if they're stores. If you believe in stores, um, <clears throat> I said stores, and I was like, that's just a typical term that people use. I don't believe it. Does it sounds weird? But I don't believe in memory stores. <laughs> um, but that's too complicated to go through now. So if you believe in memory stores, you need to put your, your learning into memory stores or into memory in some way. Um, and using AI to store the stuff, the transient information effect, you're just going to forget it because you're like, oh, Google remembers it. I don't need to know this because Google remembers it or my notes have it. So you don't have it in your head. And that isn't useful when you're trying to explain something, talk about something, or actually do the skill. <laughs> I realized I was just talking for a while and you just sat there nodding. <laughs> it works. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But it, it's... It's building capacity. It allows for just more... potential. And like... There is just that if you have the space, <clears throat> if you've swallowed the pill, <laughs> but you just don't have the time, it provides a direction, a movement. Yeah. It that is so exciting. I think it can also be used as a uh, sort of a satisfactory answer. Because if you're looking for something and you're like, I really want to do this research, but X, Y, Z's in the way, I'm just going to type the question into Elicit, see what it says, get a general idea. I'm like, okay, cool. I now have an answer to that. I have research papers if I want to go have a look, but I don't want to. I just wanted to know. Yes, you could do it on Google, but Google oftentimes comes up with blogs. And the blogs aren't always re researched, referenced, and they can be biased. Whereas the illicit results, when they come up, they will give you context as to, if you want to know, context as to how they found it or what it really means or other related things that you might not have thought about. So instead of it being a five top tips to do thing, you'd have the answer and just a takeaway point. And you'd have multiple takeaway points that you can get a fairly deep understanding of a topic just by reading the takeaway abstracts. Whereas in a blog, you'd have to read the whole blog. And you wouldn't, from my experience, you don't really get a deep understanding. You just get the tips. <laughs> More nodding. 
for those listening. Yeah, I was I was also looking at the problems with it, and a mm-hmm. lot of the problems are based. If you have a modicum of sense and realize this is not all of the information, it is a space to start. It's an entry point. It's not the end point. If that makes sense, it's like it is it is a place to start, not the answer and all of the answer. And there are limitations. And as long as you understand that, it's like, let's start there and go play. I agree to an extent. I think it can be an answer. I think that's this depends what stage of the learning journey you're on. Mm. Because if you're at the start of your learning journey, it can be an answer for one bit, but a continuation of another, and could be the start to something else because you see a word and there you're like, I have no idea what that is. Um, So I think it could be all of the above. Yes. And I think it depends on your intention of use as to what you get from it. But I think that's the same with Google. But a Google is less of a oh, that's new. You're less likely to see things that are new on Google because a lot of people are just regurgitating information they've seen elsewhere, um, especially in blogs from what I see. Um, my Feynman Technique research shows that. Everyone referenced the same, like everyone referenced each other. It was just like a big circle. I don't want to say it, but yeah, it's just everyone referenced each other. Like there's no research here. You're just talking about each other to each other. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the risk of Google. Whereas something like Alyssa that is looking at the research papers, there isn't a, a self-referenced or human element to it because it, it's taken out. It's just, this is what we found. Or I, it, they found. I don't know what you'd call it. This is what computer found. Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. Right. Yes. Yeah, and I, th- I think moving forwards... We'll call it a month. We'll do a, a recap to see how it's how it's impacted workflows. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So, because it'd be interesting to see if you use it. Because obviously, when we when I showed you it, you were going to America like a couple of days later. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't really have time to use it or explore at all. Um, but because it's a new tool, it's gonna there's gonna be an onboarding process of getting into the habit of using either elicit instead of Google or elicit in the times where it may be useful because mm. you're going to need to remember to use it. I mean, I know I will have to like remember to use it similar with research right when I started using that. Are you, are you putting on your tab bar? Hell yeah. <laughs> so you don't forget. I, I think that's a shorter episode, but we spoke about elicit. So it was just an app and a, and a bit of an AI um, excited moment. In a month's time, we may be like, yeah, we hate it, but we don't know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> what idiot said that? <laughs> it was all John. <laughs> You're wearing yellow. It's your fault. Yeah, I didn't have my orange T-shirt on today. It's just not good enough. I know, I know. Shame. Shame. So, yeah, this. 
<laughs> That's my reaction. All right. Right. Um, sort of. See you guys next week. Bye.